tell you something. I'm just a stranger here. I'm going home. On my way home. Welcome our listening audience at KG 1060 AM at KKVV. We are excited that you are joining us again on the radio, but also those of you who have been watching us live online at www.abundantlifelv.org. We have been having a wonderful time with the Revelation Today seminars. Here in Las Vegas at Cashman Field, we complete those seminars uh, tonight at 7 p.m. at the Cashman Center, Revelation Today. And we'll be capping that off with a huge baptism. You can join us for the final night at 7 p.m. at the Cashman uh, Center. We continue to worship here at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are still located at 1720 North J Street. Our motto here for this year, in Christ we dwell in 2012. And we hope to make that a reality in our walk with God. As we celebrate our Black History Month and heritage, today we have a special speaker uh, visiting all the way from the East Coast. Dr. Lyle O. Caesar, a former professor of religion at Andrews University in Bering Springs, Michigan, is an associate editor of Adventist Review and Adventist World magazines, the general papers of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, and is located at the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. He succeeds Roy Adams, whose 2010 retirement brought a close to his 22 years on the magazine's team. Since 1849, Adventist Review has been the flagship journal of the Seventh-day Adventist movement, having commenced publication 14 years before the church was formally organized as the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists in 1863. Today, Adventist World, the international paper for the church, which appears in 13 languages, in print and or online, joins the review in communicating news of the world church to its con constituency. Dr. Caesar is happily married, amen, yeah. to his wife, Lena, for the past uh, 37 years. Yeah. Amen. We like that here at Abundant Life. Uh, his wife, Lena, is currently an assistant professor at the prestigious Loyola University, and Fundy, you will like this, in speech language pathology in the speech language pathology department. She holds dual doctoral degrees in special education 
and interdisciplinary health sciences from Western Michigan University and was voted Teacher of the Year several times at Andrews University. So he's very proud of his wife, amen? amen. Dr. Caesar has spent 14 years on the Andrews faculty, winning Teacher of the Year honors multiple times. He has also taught at Montemorelos University, a Seventh-day Adventist school in Mexico, and has also served the church in the Caribbean, South America, the Middle East, Russian, Western, uh, and Southern Africa, just to name a few. Dr. Caesar has often told the story of his determination at age 15 not to follow in the faith of his parents after leaving home. <coughs> he knew for sure that he would never be like his father, a Seventh-day Adventist minister. Uh, he had his reasons. So he studied secondary teacher education at Caribbean Union College, but the Holy Spirit knew better, and he eventually figured it was better not to fight his conscience. So he then studied theology and entered full-time ministry more than three decades ago and has been a lifelong Seventh-day Adventist member and church worker. Finally, born in Guyana. Any Guyanese here? Any Guyanese here? <laughs> he earned a bachelor's in theology at church-owned Caribbean Union College in Trinidad a master's in religion at Andrews and both a master's and doctoral and a doctorate rather in Hebrew and Semitic studies at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. He enjoys his new ministerial adventure but has always had a steady high from teaching young people, non-tradition students, whoever and it doesn't matter what they believe about God or the hot place. Dr. Caesar just loves people all people. He summarizes his life in this way. My father is my hero, my family is my pride, and the service of God is my joy. After we have heard from our wonderful choir, we will hear from Dr. Lyle O. Caesar, our speaker for the moment. Hear ye him. Praise God. Amen. Oh, happy Sabbath, everyone. Happy Sabbath. Um, it's such a blessing to be back. And um, when I came back, I, you know, I automatically got back in the choir. Um, and uh, about, I guess, about three years ago, uh, someone requested that I do a song, lead a song called "Encourage Yourself," and uh, it being Black History Month. We thought it would fit because uh, our people ultimately had to, in the fields, encourage themselves in the Lord every day Amen. to keep going. And the song is saying, you know, encourage yourself in the Lord and, and strengthen yourself in the Lord. Speak the word of God over yourself in the Lord. And, uh, we know that they had to 
do that every day. They made songs where they were saying, you know, I'm a child of the, of the living God, and I know he will deliver me. They had to keep that faith every day to go out and deal with the hardships of being a slave. So it's also a song that means a lot to me because it seems that God places songs and gives songs to me and people say, do this song, I want you to sing this song. At the perfect time, whatever the song is talking about, it always seems to go right along with what's going on in my life. And I just thank God for his anointing and his, his blessings upon songs like that, where people give me songs to sing and I just thank him for it. And um, we're gonna sing it Amen. now, so Amen. enjoy. <laughs> in the Lord, amen. Sometimes you have to encourage yourself. Sometimes you have to speak victory during your test. No matter.
tell you need anything more, you're ungrateful. If you say the Lord didn't bless your lying, where do the people go? You see, they went up, right? <laughs> After that, the only way is up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Pastor Lewis. Thank you, Pastor Holiday. Thank you, you wonderful people over there. The young man who was back there and the young man who was at the keyboard. Um, that Jamaican music was sweet. No, the first one was Trinidadian and the second one was Jamaican. It's a privilege to be here. Pastor Russell Lewis invited me and didn't know that he was inviting me back home. I was here before all of you. Yeah, I don't know this building, but I did an evangelistic series at this church in the 1980s. Anybody here from the 1980s? Uh, you don't remember me, but I was here. When Pastor Howell was pastor, anybody remembers Pastor Howell? Okay, all right. He brought me here and I preached for a while. That was a long time ago. And I'm glad to come back and see all of you holding the fort. And I want to talk with you today about a topic you know exists even though you don't recognize this word. Let me see the Guyanese again. The sermon today is entitled Scatteration. <laughs> that is for four of us. <laughs> but that is what the sermon is entitled, Scatteration. Now, the rest of you, more orthodox, English-speaking individuals might refer to it as scattering or something like that, which doesn't work quite as well as scatteration. The aim of the sermon is to divide hell into two parts. Now, when you preach a sermon, you should have an aim. And if you say you have an aim, there should be a reason for that aim. Now you're all good, decent, obliging, supportive Christian people and you encourage us in slackness. We come into the pulpit, we haven't lost a wink of sleep, we were paying attention to the stock market and the running rebels all week and then on Sabbath we got to preach, we come into the pulpit and we say something and you say, Amen! Praise the what did he say? Well, it was good, the Lord blessed. <laughs> this sermon has an aim. What is the aim of the sermon? To divide hell into two parts. And we have a reason for that aim. The reason is because lots of people nowadays waste their energy trying to be experts on 1,600 things all at once. 
I want to be an expert on one thing. So if I'm going to try dividing hell into two parts, I'm not even going to concentrate on both parts. Which part do you want to be a specialist on? The second part or the first part? I'll give you the second part. Today, the reason why I'm aiming to divide hell into two is so I can concentrate on part one. You figure out part two. Now, there's one other thing before we preach the sermon. When you leave here and the people ask you, what did he say? I have seven words for you to remember the sermon by. So that whether I accomplish my aim or not, whether my reason is justified or not, whether I say what I meant to or not, you will know what you were supposed to say when they ask you, what did the preacher say? What will you say? You will say, you should have been there yourself. <laughs> well, if you divide your and self, you will get seven. You <laughs> yours. Okay. I want you to preach the sermon with me. It only has seven words. We don't need faucets. How many words is that? How many words is that? I can't hear you. What's wrong, Pastor? There's a law against supporting the preacher here. They're very reverent. They keep quiet. They, they were saying amen when you were speaking and when Pastor Holiday was preaching that moving prayer and when the choir was, they were speaking. Come on. How many words is that? We don't need four. How many more? Okay, or you can even do your addition and say, you don't have to know to add when you play the slot machines, you know. You just know how to subtract because no. <laughs> we don't need faucets. We need water. Okay, let's preach the sermon together. Everybody, we don't need faucets. We need water. Let's preach the sermon together again, everybody. We don't need faucets. We need water. Oh God, when in the delicacy of your genius hand, you pasted particles that gave us atoms, molded molecules, crafted cells that turned the nothing into universe. No fear quivered that genius hand. Now, oh God, you must make bold to do the same again and turn us from our chaos into oneness. Not for my sake, but for the sake of Jesus, in whose name this day we pray. heard the scripture reading but you've forgotten it already there were so many announcements and such beautiful music you can't even remember what the sermon is based on so Jeremiah well you remember chapter verse marvelous marvelous you got some keen minds here 
Where is Brother Mojo? Brother Mojo led a Sabbath school class today, and I got the blessing of sitting in it. Man, it was, it was, he got his mojo going. <laughs> yeah, it is evidently a blessing to be in this place. Thank God. In Jeremiah 2, 13. For my people have committed two evils. How many evils? Two evils. If you lived in the ancient Near East, you wanted a spring in your yard because a lot of Abraham's country is just like Las Vegas and Nevada. It's a desert. You had a spring in your yard and you were rich because you had water. In the 8th century, Hezekiah channeled Gihon spring water into the city of Jerusalem and the whole city was blessed. There's even a 2,700-year-old inscription still commemorating it. And people still go to Israel to wade through the pitch-black darkness, going through the tunnel where the water passes. Water equals sheep and goats and camels and whatever. No water, no life, no nothing. Well, sand, but no food. If you didn't have a spring to work with, what would you do? You would build a cistern by carving out the limestone rock and plastering your cistern with lime plaster. You would cut little channels into the rock around so that if a couple of drops of water fell out of the sky, they would fall into the channels and they would lead into the cistern. You need water because you don't live in Las Vegas. You live somewhere out there in the desert in the ancient Near East where there is no centralized city planning and no organized water. Conservation. You, your own water authority. Trouble is your rock cistern can develop cracks. What happens when the cistern cracks? Well, water seeps out. You have wasted your time. You wish you had a spring, right? Well, no, the people in our text don't wish they had a spring they don't like springs because springs bring water too easily it's like the water is growing on trees they prefer to sweat like slaves and dig into the rock and make a cistern that will crack and split and leak and the water seep out and then they feel better well that's 
the context of Jeremiah 2.13, which is our text, which is the context of our sermon, which is about... What is the title of the sermon? The title of the sermon is Scatteration. Everybody say that. Scatteration. All right. Speak some Guyanese for the first time in your life. Say Scatteration. Everybody, Scatteration. You've heard of horse trading? What is horse trading? A man close to ultimate indecency and looking fine and proud of it, built like Pastor O'Bannon, stands on a screen as big as the world for people to see how sleek he is, what weight he bears, and how many hands high he stands. In America, they call it the draft. Long ago, in more egregiously unpalatable forms and across the blighted centuries of human history it existed under another name and its dark forgettable stain over this blue globe has bequeathed us a legacy called scatteration in case you're wondering i'm speaking of that amazing reality inseparable from black history known as the slave trade in which from the middle of the 15th through the second third of the 19th century some 9,566,000 human beings children of a mother called africa were stolen, kidnapped, rounded up like animals, stuffed into cargo holds, carted across the world along the highway of Atlantic water, ported and unloaded, if they survived, to the waiting cane and cotton fields of North, South, Central, and Caribbean America to be yoked, harnessed, driven, corralled, and fed as befitted their animal status and at the same time mocked, spoken to, and even with flogged, indoctrinated in religion because something about them seemed somehow related to real human beings. The speaking I find most fascinating. Masters would speak in the presence of slaves as though they weren't there, as though they didn't matter or as though they weren't anything but matter. Then again, they would speak to them, instructing them to cook the most exquisite meals, to feast the big house full of their big shot friends, and then trust to them the care of their most precious possession, their children. What cute tricks these creatures could perform. But then again, if they really were animals, maybe somebody should have gone to jail for cruelty to animals. Anyway, when the scatteration was done, they had delivered 651,000 articles of this cargo to North America, over 4 million to the Caribbean, 4 million 700,000 to South America, including the half a million plus deposited in the territory of the Guyanas, whence came Leal Caesar and the rest. When all was said and done, the offspring of this 
scatteration no longer spoke Mandinka. They spoke Tuobab. No more Akan or Hausa or Yoruba. Now they spoke Dutch and French and Portuguese and English. Or Spanish. Those from Guyana, British Guyana, spoke English. And those from America spoke America. As if that was not enough scatteration in British Guyana, we subdivided ourselves even further into black man and brown skin and red by and Douglas and yellow man. And by talk, those who were Buckman and bludgeoned our East Indian neighbors who ended up being identified as coolie. Strategic variations on a basic theme of scattering. Prejudice, discrimination, force as in America, whitey, so in Guyana, Douglas and Buckman, brown skin, either esteemed themselves or were esteemed as closer to the top because they even evidently had some of the top quality in them, whatever that was. Black man was definitely at the bottom. But I'm in Las Vegas, not Guyana, so let's forget about Guyana. Let's get back to where I am. Beyond Lael Caesar's Guyana, temporarily speaking, closer to home in time and place, scatteration continues to produce its own unique economics. So that in the year 2012, if you ask America's unemployment rate, the Bureau of Labor Statistics may give you a figure of 8.8% at the end of January. But if you know about scatteration, then the Bureau will give you an answer that depends on which point on the scatteration spectrum you really are asking about. White unemployment is 8%. Asian unemployment is 6.7%. Hispanic unemployment is 11.8%. 5%. Black unemployment is 14.2%. It just depends on where you are on the scatteration spectrum. Is it a gender thing? Women, 8.3%. Men, 9.3%. White women, 20 and over, 7%. White men, 20 and over, 8 Hispanic women, 20 and over, 11.3%. Hispanic men, 20 and over, 10.7%. Black women, 12.6%. Black men, 14. We, we end up at the top somehow. We used to be at the... Back in the former islet colonies, scatteration is still in full swing. Everybody grew up to be their own massa, plantation owner, prime minister and president, it didn't make real sense. Well, they tried the federation and it didn't work because it was going to make more sense than what we opted for thereafter. What we put in place of slavery didn't have to make any more sense than slavery did. So now, 
if drops of volcanic ash or coral or something like that sticking up out of the Caribbean Sea with one or two hundred thousand people on them wanted to have their own nation and kingdom just like America or England or Spain or Holland or Portugal or wherever. That is fine too. So what do we get? We get a multitude of non-viable entities, descendants of the slave trade scattering who can't get along together well enough to be one people and one nation despite all they have in common now populating the international map with representatives sitting at the UN because they are now independent states multiplying bureaucracies issuing passports sending three and a half people to the Olympics duplicating customs and immigration diplomatic functions continuously competing against each other in a waste of already miserably scarce resources this is the African diaspora this is black history, scatteration come of age. The history of Guyana shows, and the history of South Africa shows, Inkata versus ANC, and the history of Rwanda, Hutu versus Tutsi, shows long ago and far away, and here and now and yesterday and today, that the brokenness writ large across African history is more than the fault of foreigners and aliens. Slavery was a black thing before it became an international market issue in the 15th century. And when it ended in the 19th century, we helped it to get worse. And we haven't given up yet. Have you ever heard of Uncle Tom's? How do you define an Uncle Tom? I'll tell you. Did you realize that there is such a thing as a, a, a green way to think? Of course, there's also a lavender and an aquamarine way to think. All who are green are supposed to think the green way. If lavender or aquamarine people think the green way, they're obviously out of place. Do you remember how much trouble Barack Obama got when he said he admired Ronald Reagan? What is the matter with him? Is he going to be green or is he going to be teal? So if you're green, this is how you think. If you're aquamarine, then you can behave like you're aquamarine. This prescription for ID and conduct used to have a label attached to it. Once upon a time, there were people who viewed it as the eternal entrenchment of prejudice. In relation to teal and aquamarine, it was a matter of color. But long ago in the 21st century, sociologists used to refer to it as racism. And theologians thought it was Calvinistic predestination. And converted Seventh-day Adventist Christians insisted with one voice, that is not the God of Scripture. 
Why? Because the God of Scripture says everybody can choose what she wants to be and where he wants to live forever and whether they would like to be a mountain peak or a wild rose or a tame starfish or a squoosh kappa, whatever that is. Suppose we had a cut and dried God like this green and lavender and aquamarine thing. Let's figure out how things would work. You, you, yes, you, Methuselah, your name is too short. Go to the hot place. And you, you, yes, Maharshal al-Hashbaz, your father's too prophetic. You, go to the hot place. And you, you, what is your name? Oh, Judas, that's a nice name. I like that name. You can come in or go up or get into the cold, whatever it is that keeps you out of the hot place. The fact is, cut and dried God doesn't even have to look at you. He doesn't even have to ask your name. He can just, oh, I know everybody. Oh, you are fluorescent? You are too fluorescent, go to limbo. Oh, you are a nice hue of teal. Well, you will do well in purgatory, the Guyanese say purgatory. Trouble is that for some, even all-knowing God has a problem. How do I fit them in the cool place or the hot place? Because they have so much of this and so much of that. They, they, are, they are a mix, you understand. So where do we stick them in? Native American sister, Anglo, Asia Pacific brother, colega Latino, mestizo, mulato, quien sea, visiting friend whose ancestry is lost on me. Listen to me today and remember this forever. If pigment or idiom or region or class is a salvation issue for seven billion humans on the face of this spinning pear-shaped waterlogged land tract it still does not have to be an issue for god of a truth i perceive exclaims peter that god is no respecter of persons i understand now that god is not one to show partiality he welcomes people from everywhere without partiality without distinctions of relative culpability whosoever will may come are you coming or not are you coming or are you looking over your shoulder to see who's admiring your fancy steps toward heaven's gate and if something is a non-issue with God, then I dare believe that God would say, Michelle, Rajiv, Erich, Mr. Stankovic, Mrs. Kim, Obasanjo, Familia Hernandez, it doesn't have to be an issue with you. Let's go back to our text. So somebody will think this was a real sermon. <laughs> Jeremiah 2. For my people, Jeremiah too, have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. According to our text, we have a water problem, right? Well, at least we have a need for water. The well is not running. And in any case, 
the faucet is broken. We need a new faucet for the dry well. If only we could fix the faucet, then the well will run water of life freely, right? Huh? I lost myself and I lost you too. So if you fix the faucet, it will make the well get water. You have a delta faucet and the tap is not running, so what do you do? You change the delta faucet for a blanco faucet. No, you change the blanco faucet for a Kohler faucet. So now you have water. Do you get water by just saying this thing is broken, this faucet, so I'll take off this and up. Okay, okay, okay. Why? Because we don't need faucets. We need Here's a simple question. Blaming the house rats because they are not field mice. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Because the field mice had to scrunt out there in the laboring blazing sun. And the house rats got to be in the kitchen, right? So, so we could. Does that give us water? Sisters and brothers, we can stay focused forever if we want on the problems between the house rats and the field mice. Oh, you know what? I was, I was in, in um, should I say this? <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. Once, while I was at Andrews, there was a guy who was a professor of history, and they were having a panel discussion in the seminary, and they invited it. And he said something, this is just like the house rats and the field mice. You're from Jamaica, right? Okay, I'm going to get in trouble now, but this prof, he was black American, he says one of the, <laughs> you know, this is not the kind of thing you really ought to say, but it's all right. You can run me out of town anyway. I don't live here. I want to go home to my lily. <laughs> one of the biggest crises we have, he said it was in New York, is between African Americans who were born here and people who come from Jamaica and the rest of the Caribbean and maybe from Africa and come here and also want to be pastors just like the people who were born here and want to house rats and field mice house rats and field mice okay she agrees with me so when you throw me out you throw <laughs> And you know what? 
we can draw up tables of weakness and show these are the problems and we can pour out our statistics on relative deprivation and who is more stupid than whom and how sizes of complex and who has more sense of superiority and more sense of inferiority and who is too committed to toming with the uncle toms or sitting with the auntie harry or whatever and then we can present seminars because we have studied the problem and then we can propose in our seminars that we change the faucets. Are you with me? I have this well. It's dry. There ain't no water in it. And I have an elegant faucet that I keep turning on or squeezing or... And... Uh, no water is coming out. So I change the elegant faucet for another elegant faucet, and then I'm not thirsty anymore, right? What does our text say? My people have committed two evils. We've got two problems here, sister, sinner, brother, saint. Okay, sister, slave, and brother, slave. Is that fairer? My people have committed two evils your slavery is problem number two there's one before that like a broken tap a sheer triviality by comparison with a dry well and for some tragic reason humanity since Israel and Moab they had the same tension since Jerusalem and Samaria it's the same Since Hellenist versus Barbarian, it's the same thing. Now we have to measure, is she 55% Latino or Latina, verdad que si? Or, you know, or 103% Indio or what? And all of you young people who think, well, actually, if they would give us a chance, it's the same thing. All the young people who think we need to get rid of all these old fogies so we can run the world. It's the same scatteration mentality. We versus they. This camp versus that camp. I stand with my own and I'm sorry. We therefore stand against you. The running rebels versus the creeping cockroaches or whatever it is. You know. I had a friend on campus, she used to call me dad, nice girl, adorable creature. She calls me daddy, calls my wife mommy. She let us know one thing. She says, you see that blue car you drive? I don't know you when you are in that blue car. Because my blue car was a bottom of the line Chevy Cavalier station wagon. So my sister sort of says to me, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, it's, it's not a question of morality. It's just that I make judgments based on superficiality. So if you look 
a certain way or if you have a certain kind of accent, then I cannot hobnob with you, at least in a certain context. I can still call you daddy and ask you for stuff, but please don't embarrass me in public. Talk about scatteration. You see, the truth is that the brother's car is not the real problem. The real problem is the brother's heart or the sister's heart. My people have committed two evils and scatteration is terrible, but scatteration is only second evil and you can concentrate on that if you want. I told you I give you the second part so I could zero in on the first part. Race against race is fighting second evil. Region against region is fighting second evil. Nevada against California, that's fighting second evil. Las Vegas against Reno, that's fighting second evil. And try as you might, you will never fix it. All the broken ideologies and all the broken theologies are nothing but the second part of hell. If hell has two parts, scatteration is the second part because my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. That's the first part. That's the natural stuff. And they have turned to the fake. They're struggling to hew themselves out. Cisterns and the cisterns split and the cisterns leak and the cisterns can't quench their thirst but they insist on focus on the cisterns. And here I am, the fountain of living water and water pouring out from me so that whosoever will may drink and never thirst again. Some get fooled by the drippings of brackish water they are able to take out of the holding tank. Now they have proof that their research has demonstrated that things can work. And they go around the world, like I say, bragging and conducting seminars, and people come out to them, rich people and poor people, and desperately needy people come to them and give them money to attend the seminars and listen to what they have to say about water resources and resourcefulness. Thirsty people, people out in the desert, hallucinating people, people dying for water, they come and listen and believe in mirages. And then they go out and hew more cisterns because now they know what to do and their cisterns leak just like their massive cisterns leaked. It's like the slot machines. They find one somebody to convince everybody to go on TV and smile and look happy and everybody else believes that everybody can win. So everybody plays and who wins? There's a hole in the bucket, dear Henry. So, so fix it. How? And the straw. Straw is too long. I cut it. How? You could use a pen knife. Okay, use an axe. Use an axe. You really. 
the axe is dry. The axe is too dry. Well, wet it. How? With water. Well, how will I fetch the water? With, with a bucket, Henry. With a, with a bucket. Liza, there is a hole the bucket. So is everything fixed? Now who is the unintellectual nincompoop? Focus on racial problems, society's problems, buckets with holes, is focusing on real problems. I am not saying these are not real, and these problems need a solution, and if you don't pay attention to them, you may never find a solution, but if you pay too much attention to them, it will serve as a powerful distraction from the real original problem. that there is first evil and there is second evil first evil is Adam and Eve abandoning the fountain and everybody else who has tried to drink from what Adam and Eve ended up behaving as they could drink from as if they could all the Peggy's and the Rositas and the Russells and the Mr. Lims and the Mrs. Kims and the Obasanjos and the Diona Ryans and Yusufs and all of them. All of them are drinking and drinking and drinking whatever and still thirsting. Either drinking and drinking and drinking and never quenched or longing and longing and panting and never finding. It's the same thing. Sometimes it's something they get to drink, but it isn't water, so it's not quenching. One way or another. Oh, what we need to do is change Mrs. White for Mr. Black. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, and then we'll change Mr. Black for Miss Brown. And Sister Green and Buddy Blue. I don't know. Maybe living in Nevada makes you skeptical. I don't know, or maybe it makes you optimistic. Maybe it makes you cynical, or maybe it makes you forward-looking. Maybe you're gullible or apathetic, or I don't know what you are, but the truth is that our best efforts are not enough to fix second evil. Whether we are cynical about it or optimistic about it, if we zero in on second evil, we ain't going nowhere. Meanwhile, God is in grief. My people have committed two evils. And the first thing is, they need to come back to me. Because I have water that can blow away their faucets and never stop running.